0: and gentlemen, welcome to episode 118 of the MTV podcast, presented and hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. I am Jared. I am Jeff. And I'm Liam. You think I was going to say Jeff again, weren't you?
1: No,
2: I'm Jeff's just,
1: for for those of you watching, uh, I am getting a haircut tomorrow, so hold your comments. <laughs> Get <out of> here. <laughs> uh, I really am getting a haircut tomorrow. Oh yeah, tomorrow. because normally your hair is just like not weird. Well, it's not quite this long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking a little bit scruffy. In this episode, we are going to stand by what we always do, entertain you mountain bikers and hopefully offer some good education of mountain bike knowledge and interesting things in the mountain bike industry. On top of that, we're going to discuss the adventure race that I did, of which I barely survived. Why did you put barely survived in all caps? I didn't barely survive. I survived it. <laughs> he thrived. I, had to make it I won't little... say I thrived, <laughs> but I, I survived. I had to
0: add some drama to it, you know? I was like, cool. Uh, oh, he did great. Like, barely
1: survived. <laughs> uh, Jared's tubeless tire setup fail, mm. which I don't really know if that's a topic to discuss. No, Why don't we just, just get it out of the way? Yeah, it's just Jared blew up a tire in the warehouse today, and it was super loud. Ceiling went everywhere. It happens now and then. Yeah. If you pump up a tubeless tire, sometimes they blow off the bead and yeah. it's quite well, catastrophic. It's more like a PSA. Yeah. Be careful and don't. Yeah. Well, be careful pumping up. i you know, don't tires do what I did.
0: I used the extremely high flow nozzle that doesn't have a pressure gauge on it um, without because- a valve core without a valve (laughs) (laughs) core on a small volume tire that's
1: what you do if you're in the situation where you can't get the thing to beat otherwise you don't even try that that's what happened last time
0: Mm. i had a really hard time beating this tire so i was like all right i'm gonna take all the precautions this time and i'm gonna go full high flow (laughs) sounds like no precautions well yeah okay (laughs) yes or no but that's what i did i was like okay well if you would have seen the whole dilemma last time you would have been, you would have understood because yeah. i think no, i know i mean not the tire like everyone has had that minutes. problem
1: where you can't get a tubeless tire to bead, and you yeah you're just blowing air into it with the compressor and it just won't see out it, yeah. it was yeah. wasn't doing that yeah. so i was like all right well and that's when that's you resort to this plan time. b you take the valve core out you right. use the, the nozzle so that's the what i did
0: nozzle. and yeah it's seated i was like oh maybe it's gonna maybe there's one more in there you know and i just sure enough it just that's what happened. For so all we know, you I could did? have had 180 PSI. In yeah. I
2: know. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But it, just happened and it was a gravel tire. It yeah.
0: to, so to let people know. Yeah, it was like a so small volume tire. Small high tire. flow. Yeah, high no flow. No pressure regulation.
2: Just be careful, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because it, it could actually be
2: dangerous. You can I like, like... Get a lot of sealant thrown
1: into your eyes at like a high velocity.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Worst that happened was I just ruined a shirt and uh, a tire.
1: And yeah. you know, all I know is I looked over and I asked if you were okay and you were okay. And I just thought, oh, workers' comp claim passed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was, thankfully, we could all laugh about it. You know,
1: it happens. It was mainly just, just be loud careful and messy pumping and, up tires. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: We've People, all done it. It's much more rare though now with how good uh combinations yeah. are yeah, yeah the tall have
1: gotten a lot better but that 10 is 10 years the ago one... those things blew up oh all the man time.
2: i remember blowing up so many like stands conversion you know yeah. stands conversion setups those yeah. are sketched dude. What was that yeah exactly you're just like <laughs> you convert like
1: stands no tubes yeah you used to make a conversion kit to make your non tubeless tires tubeless yeah whoa yeah okay so yeah old school stuff man Before so for like, your time we'll bro elaborate what it was the con- <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's like a like a tubeless rim strip that you basically put in that raises the basically the um, bead hook or the wall to the rim to make a, s- a shorter, more like grippable okay surface or wall shelf to put the tire on. Interesting, but like nothing was good. Tires weren't good. The rims were all out of whack. Everything was like not perfect, and like yeah. multiples would blow. I blow off like two a day sometimes.
0: Like back Jeez. in the day, because they're just you're just trying to make some work that's not
2: supposed to work. Wow.
0: But also, yeah. thankfully, there wasn't a ton of sealant in there. There was only like an ounce of sealant in there. <laughs> yeah, it still, be... <laughs> yeah, still went everywhere. It still went everywhere. Huge been... mess. <laughs> Could have been so much worse. Yeah. So, yeah, you know,
2: that was all good. Yeah. the Last one I blew up was also a gravel road tire, but I was in, I, I had already filled it up, test ridden it, brought it back, working on a computer,
0: then it blew up. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I don't even know if I've ever seen it happen at the shop. I think Jason did one. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah, one. yeah. At least a few times here. Yeah. Okay.
1: Not yeah. as common anymore. It's been a while. Be careful. Be, Be, careful. Careful. Be, careful. Be, Be careful. careful. Tubeless tires yeah. are dangerous. Don't do what I did. Don't do what Jared did. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to answer listener questions ranging from mountain bike crimes to tire combos. Human tails. And everything in between. Trails or tales? I should, tails? I should start reading these before. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm really read glad you don't. I think you should leave it how it is and don't yeah, read them and then you're surprised. Well, and, well you know. Jared
2: usually throws everything in there. I go in and go, nah, 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 nah. And then Jeff
1: sometimes comes in and goes, nah, 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 more. Yeah. But when he doesn't, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Daniel's fun fact, a new segment of the episode. Oh, yes. You are more likely to be killed by a cow
0: than a shark. That's right. That's right.
2: Is that yeah. proven?
0: Yes. So apparently there's only about five shark-related deaths in the U.S. per year, whereas there's over 20 cow-related deaths, typically by either goring, trampling, or a combination of the,
1: <laughs> of the oh, two. What
0: about <laughs> crashing into a cow in a car? Or kicking. Um, that could be one, I, I guess. I had a cow in a
1: car once, and that was Did pretty you? Much- yeah, gnarly. but luckily not bad. It was in it was in Hawaii. We were coming down a canyon road at nighttime, and in Maui, those things are all over that one mm-hmm. road to the top. And uh, by the time it came into the headlights, sl- it was Boonie, my friend Boonie, slams on the brakes, and and we hit it, but just enough to mess up the bumper. Uh, but it didn't hurt the thing too gotcha. bad. It kind of limped off. But Ow. the thing was way bigger than the car. Oh it was, yeah, it was a massive animal. I mean. Yeah. If he hadn't hit the brakes that hard, that could have been a you know into the windshield situation. Yeah. So maybe oh, yeah. that's Crazy. why you could be killed by a cow. Well, yeah.
0: Also, kicking, trampling, and goring. I mean, imagine the horns of a bull. I mean, that'll get you. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. Fun so fact. be Fun fact. careful of the cows, people, and tires.
2: Hey, I have a <laughs> I have a related question. It might be a little off topic. That's okay. So when you go cow tipping and cows go on their sides, yeah. is it true that they die? Because they can't get up from their side? They got to be able to get up. That's what Weaver told me when we were driving up for five <laughs> the other weeks. And I was like, there's no way, dude.
1: I don't trust that They have to get up. And he goes, no, no that's why
2: you, cow tipping so bad. Because every time you tip a
0: cow, they die. No, it's because you might die because they might kick you. I don't know. Right,
1: I have
2: no well, idea.
0: I mean, even horses like they. So if like, there's any know, ranchers listening, just let us know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: right? Yeah. Dude. I don't think a cow would die if you tipped over. I would that never go like, push an animal. It just seems... Right, it's not it does not interest me at all. Well, especially mean, one that's like seven
2: hundred times your size. Yeah, maybe not seven hundred times. I terms. mean, of all the times
0: evolution and stuff that's gone down, you think that it would just die from falling over? I don't know. I mean, turtles right. would if they get flipped. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> turtles
1: right, flipped we over. Off, we are off topic. <laughs> this yeah. isn't the yeah, so, animal podcast. Yeah. Uh, the last episode, I talked about the adventure race that I was about to go do. And I did it and it was, it was way harder than I thought it was. Uh, it was all,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you say that about it what a 72 hour, 80 hour, 70,
1: 75 hours. It oh. took us, wow. it took us 75 hours. <laughs> uh, we slept a total of five hours, uh, within that 75 hours and yeah, it was almost 200 miles total between kayaking, trekking and, uh, mountain biking and 30,000 feet of elevation. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really hard. I think the, I think the hardest part, one, the elevation is just tough, right? Because Breckenridge is 9,500 feet. The majority of the race was well above 10 or 11,000. So elevation was, was challenging. And then, uh, yeah, just being out there all night, the sleep deprivation was super hard and just having to continue on no matter how you feel, I think was the hardest thing. I think we're all kind of used to like, well, we've got to do a huge day, but you're just kind of still always comfortably in bed at nighttime exactly yeah but this was three nights where you just the sleep is horrible you're sleep deprived your stomach hurts your nose is stuffed up you just don't feel good and you just have to keep going um and your body's just slowly deteriorating on you (laughs) i actually felt the best the third day i think by the third day my body maybe sort of gave up and said all right well i'm like, this this is, is what we're doing, all this right. Is, this is how life goes now, yeah, yeah. and it, I felt well, a little bit better. That's,
2: that's like a common theme of stuff. Like even when I used to do like big like training weeks, you get past the third day and your body just kind of becomes numb to stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's a Netflix documentary called The Iron Cowboy. Um, oh, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember the guy's he, name. He but runs, what, he like d- well, he 70 did, marathons or Ironmans in a row, right? 50 50- – Ironmans Man's in fifty states in fifty days. Yeah, wow. that was the goal, and they made a documentary about it. It's it's pretty interesting, and I think the worst condition he was in was that you know fourth or fifth day, his body was just falling apart. His feet wow. wouldn't fit in his shoes, and there's this scene of him walking into a uh, walking into the swim one morning, and he's just all he's just limping, and it's just like five days into this, how's he going to do this? But actually he gets better as, as the days go on. Wow. Um, it's a well done documentary too. I, I definitely recommend watching it. It was, it was pretty cool.
0: So what was like the thing keeping you going? You're thinking like, Oh man, like that, that chicken sandwich at the end of this is, or like <laughs> that beer. I know you're not like a huge beer guy or whatever, but like, what was it? That, like just, that, just the end,
1: just the end. Just, just like, I can't wait end. to be done with this. <laughs> a bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just to be done with it for yeah. sure. Did you get Goggins on it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, not not really. I mean, I think we were for the most part were in pretty positive spirits. Some of the sleep deprivation was really tough. There was a time where I was walking behind Greg, my the one teammate who did it with me, and, and he tripped and, and fell onto his hands and I was like, What happened? He's like, I fell asleep. What do you mean you fell asleep? You were walking over like a rough patch of rocks. It's like, I had to close my eyes and you just fell asleep walking. I'm like, all right, we're going to have to lay here. But the weather was, it was a lot colder than anticipated and that, that nightly dew that would come through those canyons would just kind of get you soaking wet even wow. though it wasn't raining and you you'd think like oh well we'll be able to sleep on the trail here and there um but we really couldn't because you could only lay down for about an hour and then you were freezing because it was in the you know mid 40s sometimes high 30s at nighttime by four in the morning we were still out there so we couldn't really stop we didn't yeah. actually have the gear which probably wasn't smart to be honest so we had to just keep hammering through to get to the transition area that we could sleep there um a little bit but you can't really sleep there because you can't really sleep there it's just it's stuff. so noisy um really? they had they had tents at the transition areas uh there wasn't enough for all the teams because they were just kind of anticipating the teams would cycle through and yeah. use a tent leave a tent and we got a tent at one of them um but we didn't have sleeping bags we didn't <laughs> have pads we had our, our emergency bivvies so we got in a tent, one of the transition areas. Got in the emergency bivy. I woke up in an hour. The sun came up. We were soaking wet because of the dew, and I just couldn't feel my hands and feet. And I was like, "We gotta go. We just can't we can't stay here." So we gotta go. Um, so that was one of the nights of sleep. Was that? And the the actually the night prior, the first night, we slept uh, two hours in the emergency bivvies in the back of the U haul truck. Because we got there and the tents were full, and the U-Haul truck was there that the race promoters used to drive around the bins and stuff. And we said, "Well, can we just sleep in that?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure." So, <laughs> so we just laid on the on the wood floor the so of the back of U-Haul actually truck. Actually, nicer than a tent. Yeah, it you was didn't
2: get dewy, right? Probably yeah, less exactly. There. Yeah. Yep,
1: yeah. So that that's where we actually slept two hours the first night, one hour the second night, and then the third night we got uh, to the top of Peak Six in Breckenridge, and the little ski lift operator hut was unlocked. So we slept on the wood floor in that thing for two hours. <laughs> Amazing. Um, at
2: like 12,500 feet.
1: Yeah, because the last yeah. the last leg of the r- race was a 27-mile hike, and we started it at 8 p.m., finished it the next morning at 11 a.m. Oh. Um, and so, but we were at the peak around 1 or 2 a.m., and that's when I opened the door to that thing, and I was like, there's nowhere else to sleep on this leg, so let's just sleep in this little hut for a little <laughs> <Yeah>. while. <laughs> Which is, I think, the best sleep of the whole race was the two hours of that floor in that little hut because there was no wind. I wow. feel like that's like twenty-seven miles
2: and up, up to peak six. Like he probably did a pretty similar route to like what stage five of the Breck Epic was.
1: Yeah, yeah. You should we should look over the yeah. map because I think there was overlap we, stuff. We did all, I think over hundred miles of mountain biking throughout the race, so we must have rode a lot of yeah. similar trails, but. Yeah, it was, it was so much. 75 hours with that little sleep. It was just way harder than I thought. And the checkpoints, sometimes we would nail them and we'd get to them and it was easy and other times we wouldn't and we'd go rummaging through the bushes. Our goal became to just get all the checkpoints. The races are kind of designed for most teams to not be able to do that. So I think there's 50 teams that started and only seven got all the checkpoints and, and we were one of the seven. So we were actually really proud
0: of that. It's awesome.
1: Um, we were the slowest team to get all the checkpoints, but we still did. But you got them all. Which we got them all. So do they like um, hide
0: some of them? Is that like...
1: Yeah, some of them are just harder to find. So there are these little sort of reflective uh, fabric orange bags. And then there's a, a proprietary punch in the bottom of it and mm-hmm. you, hit, you use it to punch your punch card to kind of prove you're at that checkpoint okay and then you have a, a tracker on your shoulder too so they know if you were there as well mm-hmm. um and yeah some of them are, are right off the side of the trail they're easy to find other ones you have to know exactly where you are on the map because it's all again all map and compass no electronics allowed you have to know exactly where you are on the map then you have to draw a bearing with your compass and then just walk through the woodwork for sometimes a mile just Jeez. traipsing over trees and climbing through creeks and then it's like oh <laughs> There it is! <laughs> you know? And if and if you get slightly off, then you run into a creek and you figure out where the bend in the creek is and you have to figure out if you need to go up the creek or down the creek. And so Jeez. some of them are a lot harder to get than others, um, which is why most teams don't get them. And because they're, you know, even there'll be one checkpoint and it'll be eight miles out of the way. And that's why checkpoints are weighted way heavier than time in these adventure races. So if you get all the checkpoints and you're 10 hours behind a team that got all of them, but one, you still win. So checkpoints always take precedent. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, it was, oh, wow. that was wild. That was super hard. It was it was way more That's challenging so really. and gnarly than I thought That's it was so going to be. And what just, are you, just really out of the comfort zone. What are you doing this weekend? So then this weekend, just the way the scheduling worked out, I'm doing uh, <laughs> another adventure race, but this one's this one seems like a walk in the park. It's only eight hours long um but they are really fun as as hard as that was sounds like a lot of fun it was it was very much you know at times it was actually fun but at times it was just miserable and just so out of your comfort zone but it was all type two fun right like in the moment it's not that fun but after the fact you feel really proud of yourself for for doing that it was a a true misogy it was an experience that was so out of the comfort zone it just brings you a new light of what you're capable of as a person so i feel like pretty cool
2: I would be in for a 24
0: hour. I was going to say like an overnighter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like 24 well, hours. 36 hour one we did a couple of years ago. Yeah. F-
0: seemed like a walk in the
1: park compared to three sure days. Crazy. Yeah.
0: Cause I mean,
2: when you have gnarly travel days, just with certain stuff, like we almost don't sleep for 20, 24 hours already, you know? So yeah. like here's doing heavy activity and, you know, navigating with that. But yeah, more than that, I don't know.
0: That's pretty cool though yep um one of our listeners uh you know sent an email you know basically saying like good luck and he said that he had a couple of un- adventure races under his belt and one of his teammates had accidentally put like or he sat down or put like his pack on his ant hill oh yeah was, there was ant hills all they over the were place. like savage ants yeah that bit him like a couple hundred times apparently and they had to take him to the er wow and i was like wow <sighs> i guess yeah anything could happen i mean
1: Yeah. Yeah. They really can. I mean, that's, that's what's so crazy too, is the, once you're in the mix of that race, some teams are, you know, knowingly not getting all the checkpoints. So they're way ahead of you, but you don't really know if they have unless you ask them. So it felt like we were, you know, lower backpack the whole time. It turns out we actually ended up getting top 10. Um, but it's really hard to know. And then some teams could be crushing it. Oh, like I told you the guy, this crazy story, (laughs) this guy, uh, solo, Goes out just as flying, as fast as possible. I just couldn't believe the pace he was going, and I was like, "Man, this guy just—he's must- running like seven-minute miles. He's Running like seven-minute miles. Yep. This guy just must know something we don't know." So <laughs> the, the start of the start of day two, we're we're starting a twenty-six-mile trek, and he's finishing it running by himself, like looking fresh, just floating. There's one of those, you know, when it's a professional runner, they just float when they run. And I was just like, how is this possible? Like, how do we suck so bad? Or how is this guy just an elite athlete? I don't know what's happening, one or the other, or both. You're like, I thought it was fit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then sure enough, 50 hours in, the guy hadn't slept well at all, if at, if at any, and he starts hallucinating like crazy, gets completely lost by himself in the middle of the mountains and, and pulls the chute, calls emergency services because he's just like, it's over, like just bonked out hard, <laughs> hallucinating and just like what was he thinking Wow! Yeah. burned all the matches he Just burned every match as fast as he could wow. yeah. I was like what and then the matchbook oh. and then what was <laughs> under the matchbook
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you say how many uh, checkpoints he got like how close was he to finishing Or I
1: think he w- I think he had like 38 checkpoints out of the 47 or something That's like still he, was, impressive. he was only 10 miles from finishing wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean if it was a 36 hour ra- or even a 48 hour race yeah. you would think he probably would have been like world champion yeah, but, but he couldn't quite do Three days
2: he said wow. he was super good at navigating until all of a sudden he just went, just boom, way off course. Completely off. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And
1: that's what's tough. When you're sleep deprived and you're navigating and you can't figure out where you are in that map. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of game over, especially if it's three in the morning, you know, just out by yourself. Jeez. Just nuts. What a crazy, what a crazy sport. Um, Seriously, yeah, it is. It is enjoyable though, and in, in the way that you're you're mixing in all these different sports, there's so much tacticality to it in terms of navigating and the transitions, and it's pretty fun. Um, it's no wonder it's a niche sport because. I, who, how many people want to right. subject themselves to that. Sounds mystery. like something you came up with, honestly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's right up my alley. It's that's like, for sure. man, who came up
1: with yeah. all this? Jeff did. Uh, no, it's, it's good fun, but that's yeah, awesome. what, what a nuts, what a totally nuts. So sport. you're going to
0: do it again next year.
1: I think I got one of those a year. I don't know if I could really do like a three day one like that, I don't know if I could do more than well, one a year. Yeah. It's just so hard. I don't that is, think oh, that's gnarly. Jeff seemed like himself until after until this weekend. Today, yeah. I know that <laughs> amount of sleep deprivation. Yeah. And I got really bad tendinitis in my arms from the kayaking. I was the least prepared for the kayaking. Um and yeah, twenty miles of kayaking. My that's, arms were just destroyed. And It was right off the bat, right? It was right
0: off the bat. Yeah, I mean that's like going out for a marathon, never running before. That's like pretty much what you
1: did. It's like the, the kayaking kayak part. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, like that was really. Geez. dumb. Yeah, the, the lake kayaking was brutal, and it's just hard to do that. It's yeah, not, you know, it's easy for me to ride bikes and run all the time, but I can't yeah, kayak. You do every that. Day. Yeah. Yeah, and well, then you had to go ride bike after. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's wild. Yeah, good sport. Crazy times. But it'll <laughs> be great memories. Yeah, great memories. Wow. I think I'll do one a year. I, nice. Of the three day ones, I'd once. say that's
2: almost type three fun. Right. Like past yeah. type two.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not even. Not even fun after the fact. Yeah. Just still like, oh god, like, why, why did I, do, why that? I do, why that? do that? Why did I do that? Yeah. And then
2: like a week and a half, you're
1: like coming around. A month, you're like, yeah, that's
2: cool. Yeah. A year yeah.
1: later, you're like, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. That's type three fun. Yeah. Right. My body was wrecked. I think I lost maybe almost ten pounds. Uh, I'm all cut that up and need. everything. <laughs> shins bruises like my fingers are all screwed i'm just all messed up but i don't know i mean my upper body was way worse from the kayaking than anything so yeah but my bike held up i rode the revel ranger um that was a perfect bike for all of that sort of stuff there was a few gnarly sections they were a little rough on that bike but for the most part it was perfect for that nice um, the only little mechanical I had was I went to unclip and I couldn't unclip and then I f- toppled off of a cliff <laughs> sort of into these bushes and my cleat bolt had just vanished oh did... no way yeah did I tell you that well, my, that's my what happened. my cleat bolt disappeared no, you didn't, and I didn't so I, I couldn't get my I couldn't get my foot out of the pedal because no the if your cleat bolt falls out you it just spins yeah. in yeah so, so what would you do I had to take my my shoe out of the or my foot out of the shoe and then i used a rock to pry the crank brothers uh the basically the spring yeah to get the shoe out and then i was like oh yeah the cleat bolt's gone okay and then the on the down tube of that ranger the little bolts that hold on the little rubber frame protector that bolt actually ended up working as a cleat bolt that's amazing not perfectly but enough to finish the second leg of that ride dude because if
0: that didn't work i mean you're screwed well,
1: yeah, I would have had to, I would have had to just take the cleat off entirely and ride it, ride it flat pedal style. Wow! But other than that, the our bikes held up, and good. gear wise, everything held up. Actually, uh, Greg's trekking poles, both of the little things that hold the poles rigid, broke somehow, like just from the abuse. What do you mean? And like the, those little buttons that hold the trekking poles. And you extend them and clip it back in, yeah, exactly. or whatever. yeah, exactly. Both of them broke. And we we used... I had spare water bottle cage bolts just in the bin, and we duct taped those in there, and it worked. Nice. So other than that, like, it was pretty smooth sailing, other than, you know, all things considered. Wild. So good times, good race. I don't know if I recommend it to anyone, but... (laughs)
0: yeah it's good, it good fun but you're doing another one this weekend what are the distances like on this one you're about this to one's do?
1: nothing i think it's five miles of kayaking okay. 24 mountain biking and then 10 on foot oh geez
0: okay so, home in time that's for a,
1: lunch i mean considering that's what a I did, saturday yeah, yeah it geez. just seems so easy oh my gosh yeah oh yeah
0: and you said you did like 100 miles on the bike or something over the yeah. course of the three days yep nice
1: yeah, it was fun. I mean, Breckenridge is beautiful. That whole area, we got to ride so Gosh. much. and Yeah, you saw a lot of it when you did the Breck Epic last year, right, Liam? Like, yeah. It's just a, Love it's it. an awesome area. I mean, similar Rocky to you, I probably incredible.
2: wasn't like taking it all in. In fact, we might have been yeah. taking more of it since
1: we are following him around. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was
0: awesome. I like Breck a lot. Yeah, me too. It's a hell of a place.
1: It really is. The trails are awesome. It's a beautiful town. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Mm. I, I like to go to Breckenridge every summer yeah that's a good goal Hmm. sounds good well anything else or should we jump quickly into this first listener question
0: let's do it if you had a tail what kind of tail would it be <laughs> did you sneak that one in there no somebody actually somebody asked, asked that? this yeah um i was kind of going back and forth between like a tail from like a like a chocolate lab or a tail from like a like a leopard or like a panther, like a huge one that you can really uh, for control. For sure, you, you know? would have thought uh, Beans cat. I thought Beans about tail. Beans tail, yeah. I mean,
1: I would, who wouldn't? I would like either one of two things, either a big, fluffy, beautiful fox tail. Ooh. Um, or or for practicality, if I'm still going to continue being a human, I would just, I would like one of those little nubs that pit bulls have.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I was thinking, you can
1: probably hide that
2: behind your waist belt. No one even knows. I was thinking, you know how sometimes they clip those a little long? Oh yeah. So they're oh, like yeah. they're like three and four inch <laughs> old tails. So you, so you can still hide longer,
0: it, but you can still wag it. If wanted you wanted to show it
1: off as a bar trick. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I bet you I have a tail. I thought it would be kinda of cool to like grab something with it, you know.
2: Are you up see me is that just your tail? <laughs> you
0: know? <laughs> like you know when like cats like Mm-mm. walk up to you and then like kinda like touch you, like, grab you with their like
2: or I would pick an orangutan
0: tail where like oh, I could cool. like hang on to trees yeah, with it. that's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah you I'd, now probably, you're thinking. I'd yeah. probably go Monkey along boy. those lines. Like another limb, you know, if you're going to have it. Pretty much, it, yeah. You know? That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be super cool.
1: Well, all right. I need to add some more tonic to my beverage. <laughs> so time for you to promote this episode's sponsor. Oh, yes, of course. And now,
0: a word from our sponsors. In a world
3: where trees shiver in fear every time someone goes to the bathroom. Oh, no, not another branch. One hero rises from the depths of the laundry basket to save the day. Introducing Reuse a Roll.
2: Reuse a Roll, Reuse Roll. When you're done, give it a toll, wash it clean, hang it high, use it again. Oh my, my.
3: Gone are the days of flushing your hard earned money down the toilet. With Reuse a Roll, not only will you save trees, but you'll also save money on your monthly TP budget. Thanks for giving my branches a break. With Reu's I'm not just wiping away my problems, I'm saving the planet. Made with organic fibers and designed for maximum comfort and cleanliness, you can wash and reuse, making each trip to the throne both eco-friendly and economically wise.
2: My family used to argue about over or under. Now we debate wash or wear.
3: For those of you worried about cleanliness, don't sweat it. Our patented clean and green technology ensures that each sheet is just as fresh as the 10th time as the first.
2: It's soft, it's neat, eco-friendly and sweet. For every bum, big or small, Reuse a Roll has got it all.
3: So next time, nature calls, answer with a clear conscience and a cleaner planet. Reuse a Roll, the toilet paper of the future, today.
2: Be the change with every wipe. Reusable, you're doing it right.
3: <laughs> Available now at eco stores near you. Trees everywhere. Thank
2: you
0: for your support. And now back to the show. Oh man, that toilet paper is really good. I've been using it lately.
1: Yes, and for those of you that want to watch the making of that commercial, we uh, let's th- make it th- a real. The professional or, yeah, actors. For the the MC professional actors are on YouTube, YouTube? doing that one. Mm. Yeah. ChatGPT, thank you for helping us write the best toilet paper ads ever. Jared wrote that. What are you talking about? Yeah, very <laughs> impressive
0: original content there. Speaking right. of original, how about this listener question? What attributes make a tire good for blown out and dusty conditions, deep granite sand? What are some tires that work well in these conditions? So I'm assuming deep blown out granite sand is kind of like
2: mammoth, like this how the Sierras get this mm-hmm. time of year. Um, kitty litter, as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Honestly, like, good decent mud spikes are good for that. That's what I was gonna uh, say. Right? I, like a I would say.
1: Or- um. Not quite that far, yes. but a Magic Mary. Magic, Magic Marys is Something with awesome big knobs. Magic Marys are the best for that. See, yeah. here's here's where Magic Marys are a little bit sketchy in that because I've tried this. They work amazing in that kitty litter mm-hmm. soil. And then it's a hard pack and spot. And the second you hit I the know. hard pack spot or the, uh, the pavers. The, you know the pavers. Are yeah, awesome. they, a lot they just of bike roll parts, like crazy. They just roll. The knobs want to roll yeah. and it makes the bike feel really unstable. What about like the so
2: Argotol? The Argotol from Continental would be really good. Yeah. Actually, that's, that's what that's made for. Yeah. Um, yeah, Big yeah Sh- Shorty's a touch too far. Actually, uh, Specialized Hillbilly is mm. pretty good for that. It's a good mixed, um, almost mud tire, but not quite. Nice. Yeah, and then there's a prototype, Maxis Leaked. I saw that. Uh, that looks like it's exactly this tire. Like it's basically...
0: Slightly updated Shorty. It's, it's basically a DHF and a Shorty had a baby. Mm. Yeah.
1: That sounds cool.
0: Yeah. Speaking of mud tires, have you ever had the pleasure and and the gift of running a wet scream? Yeah, I have. Really?
1: Yeah, I well, spent uh, east for a
2: whole year a That's whole true. year in
1: 2009 racing downhill uh, on the East Coast and it was just muddy as ever <laughs> every weekend. <laughs> and unreal. a couple of times I ran wet screams. Wow. Um, or clipped wet screams. A lot of times yeah. they were okay. just too spiky. So we clip them. Yeah. Wow. Um, I've never even seen one. A lot of people
2: will clip Dirty Dan's too for that reason. Okay. Swabby's yeah. version of a wet
1: scream. Wow. Yeah, that is... Talk about miserable doing a downhill race. <laughs> and all weekend it's just pouring and covered in mud and you're running mud tires and everything's a mess. And all your gear, I'd rather do a three day adventure race. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy.
0: (sighs) My gosh. All right. Well, there you go. Basically like a mud spike and nothing too crazy. Yeah, but. close to yeah.
1: it. But just consider, yeah, I mean, if, if there is sections where there's pavers or there is hard pack, because that's what's tough even about Big Bear sometimes. Is yeah. There's areas where it's just this really softy, sandy, loose stuff. And then there's areas where it's loose over hard. And, I mean, no tire is going to work good and all I mean, of that. For Actually, for me, I like DHRs in that. Yeah, DHR is a great tire for that because it still has a lot of space so it can sink into the soft stuff, but it doesn't have too tall of knobs that it feels wandering once it gets hard packed. And Mm -hmm. then um, Nico, when he
2: came out here, he was
1: doing some testing. He had a clipped
2: Asset guy. So like every, the third transition knob, Mm -hmm. he just clipped that off.
1: Just to give more space inside of the tire
0: for mud or loose stuff. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a good idea.
2: Yeah,
1: We also
0: had that prototype 2.5 DHF. you remember that? DHR. Oh that's what I meant,
2: T R. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, the, yeah, it's
0: not prototype, but it's
2: just, or I guess, yeah, just athlete only. Athlete only. Yeah.
1: God, Come doesn't on. that just I, know. I just want that point one of an inch for my D. does not that just grind your
2: gears? I know. I saw Just give it to me. I saw McKay with one front and <laughs> rear like probably three or four years <laughs> ago. So we many bags tires we so and
1: just all <laughs> we want is yet another one. Well that's
2: that's that's what <laughs> I asked. Make it, just I asked give it Andrew to us. here and there for something. They'll be like, hey, like what about this? He's like, that's athlete only or we're not, we're never going to make that too many skews. Yeah. Has right. That's your problem. Not mine.
0: My problem is I don't have a 2.5. <laughs> <too. laughs>
2: I want what I want is icon double down. Oh yeah. Two, three, five icon double down. I remember you saying that. Downingville evil, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Not available. Chair graves only. Mm. God, imagine being that guy with this. We'll make it tired just for you. My name is Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is Jared calling. Uh, you don't have you need the resume, resume of Jared, <laughs> Jared Graves.
2: You don't have and twenty world titles, titles in seven <laughs> disciplines.
1: Yeah. yeah. What
0: well, do you think if I just like leave out my last name and I call him and then be like, yeah this is Jared, just calling for my monthly <laughs> allotment of cards"? You attires. need to be
1: handsome, Australian, and one of the most accomplished mountain bike racers of all time.
0: Uh, uh, bicycle I, I am racers. none of those. I'd, I'd say bicycle. You're right. Racer. It was not even just mountain
1: bike. Yeah. Yeah. Bmx, so BMX across, uh, Yeah. Some like road yeah. titles, or I don't know, maybe not. All right, let's do
0: this next question. Oh yeah boy, what's happened here? Is it possible to use a modded Eagle cassette like on Jeff Stranger with Axis and somehow electronically lock out the 12th gear? The thought would be for switching between a trail wheel set and a race wheel set 11 and 12 gears respectively and being able to lock out the missing gear with the Axis so you don't uh, blah 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 go shipping the spokes. Go bean at the end of it right there. You added up. No, I did not. Um, I never do.
1: But can you do that on, you cannot on Axis? Can you lock, lock it out it gear?
2: You could manually crank in your limit screw so it Stops not on transmission because there is
1: no limit cruise, but true. just on the regular axis. Yeah, yep.
2: um, so you could wind that in. I would think a better option would be run an e13 cassette, yeah, with like bikes. a a nine or Leonardi or Leonardi with like a nine. What's mine on my road bike? 946, I think mm-hmm. that's what um, I have on my gravel bike. Yeah, so I have a 946 for my road wheels on like my gravel bike, but they're like my more road style wheels. Um. And it's a 946. That way I have a little bit more top end. And then I run the 1052 on my gravel wheels and I have a little bit more low end. On, so, But you yeah, use the you same, derailleur on, same derailleur. Same yeah. derailleur. I don't even have to adjust it. Hmm. It's perfect. I just swap them out. I have the same hubs. So like yeah. brake and uh, cassette alignments all the same.
0: Yeah. Swap out. Boom, boom. Two minutes. Yeah, that would work for this guy it seems like. And yeah. I mean unless he's going for like less weight with the 11 speed. But I mean.
2: Sometimes those are less weight though. Yeah.
1: Probably a little bit, right? Just yeah, it depends on exactly what he's going for, but I think it's worth looking at uh, E13 and Leonardi in terms of yeah. two aftermarket cassette options that work really well and that have really unique uh, spreads of the cogs, yep. and they you'd go from they go to nine instead of a ten. Yeah, I don't know why SRAM doesn't do that. Maybe they just don't think it's as strong. Well, you, what I mean, you could also do that. is
2: do a SRAM Explorer cassette, which is eleven forty-four or ten forty-four. True. Yeah. Not as good as a 944, though. It's not as good as a 944, but if he's just looking for a little bit less
1: top end, a little bit tighter range, no would yeah. give him it. I ran that E13 cassette on my... And granted, some E13 cassettes have had problems. People had some warranty issues with those things mm-hmm. when they were new, but yeah. they've sussed those out for the most part yeah. and stood behind the product. And I ran one on my gravel bike for well over two years and it was fantastic. Yeah. I've got that Leonardo cassette on that Banshee right now and it's awesome. It's like an awesome way to get a cassette that has a... It's lighter. It has not as gigantic of a cog as an Eagle cassette. Um, and it has a even bigger gear range. Yeah. yeah. I think I probably have 2,000 miles on
2: my e 13 cassette on the on the road bike, gravel bike. Really? Yeah. I had it on two yeah, bikes. Yeah, no, they so. work good. Nice. Yeah.
0: There you go. All right. Okay. Well, there you go, sir. Okay. Next question. Love the podcast. And I was wondering if you could rank these three mountain bike crimes from most acceptable to least. Number one, mixed suspension. Number two, mixed tires. Number three, mixed drivetrain. We're talking about brands,
2: mixing brands. Mixing brands
0: on your components. Wow. I don't know. Those are all three highly punishable. These are all highly punishable. Mm -hmm. I'm
2: going to go ahead and say, for me, the least would probably be mixed suspension. Agreed. Really? Just sometimes there's there's just a case to have a x two on the back and a different fork or the other way around, yeah, right? Or a like
0: Fox a, like fork a 36 and a thirty six and a push shock or something.
1: Yeah. yeah, and and realistically, mixed suspension they can both work great. They're just not the same brand. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know. Okay. I guess you could make that argument about tires too if you so, had the right ones. But. Yeah. So is yeah. that yours
0: too? Uh, mixed suspension. Punishable?
1: Mixed suspension would be least punishable. So number three. I'm gonna say tires
0: as your number three yeah yeah sometimes you find yourself in a predicament you know you don't have matching brands you get
2: a oh, that flat. to me
1: is the most punishable. yeah
2: <laughs> to me that's most punishable as well i guess, that well. Is, I dis- guess that's spicable. the easiest but jeff doesn't even ride tires longer than like 10 rides he's never putting on next <laughs> tires ever <laughs> yeah,
0: well, yeah. okay understandable for ever. You.
2: <laughs> my situation's unique <laughs> well my yeah. garage is filled with jeff 10 ride 10 rides tires dude <laughs> I have dissectors and recons for two I recycle
1: <laughs> all of my lightly used tires to all of the worldwide Cyclery staff. There we go. Yeah, I yeah. just
0: finished uh, those Venture or those WTV gravel tires that you oh, gave me. Yeah, yeah put another 100, so, yeah. 100 miles on that. For <laughs> me, I'm going to
2: say least is suspension, second is drive chain, as we were just talking about mixing drive chain for certain situations. Mm-hmm. And. The most punishable, and what I will never do, is mix my tires.
1: Mm,
2: very yeah. interesting.
1: Drivetrain is also a tough one because just putting a different cassette on an ex- like a full Shimano or full SRAM drivetrain, and you just swap the cassette out, that's totally acceptable yeah, yeah, in doesn't every doesn't way count. possible. But yeah. yeah, it doesn't count. But I'm if, you're, not if you're trying to put a doing SRAM mono shenanigans like Jared and yeah, did. That's, well, that's I'm
2: amazed we even allowed you on this podcast I after know, that. I
0: know. But that
2: was. Did just you consider
0: firing f- him for that? <laughs> Okay, that's because the XTR <laughs> shifter derailleur were a gift, and I was building a bike, and I needed those two parts. And I was like, "Well, yeah, I'm not gonna just throw these away."
2: Yeah, they would have gone straight on Pinkbike for me. Well, I
0: eventually did that, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> only after I realized that it wasn't uh, that great, you know. Yeah,
1: that's worth the try. So,
0: what are you? What's your least punishable to most?
1: I said. Oh, you what? said what yeah. I just. So least he is, just with just, me. Yeah,
0: you agree with him. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say. Worst is, gosh, I'm going to say worse is drivetrain than tires and then suspension. There you go. Mm-hmm. And I meant to do that. Cool.
3: <laughs>
1: Table banger. Cool. Ah! <laughs> Table banger. Cool. Right.
0: How about this one? Are UDH frames outselling non-UDH frames these days? It was a thought that came up when I was looking at used bikes. Should I even buy a bike without a UDH?
1: That is a super good question.
0: Mm-hmm. Well... For the first part of the question, almost
2: every new bike we have now is UDH. Mm-hmm. It was like a year, year and a half, and everyone updated it, and almost every bike now is UDH. So, I mean, I guess you could say, yeah, they're outselling, but also, like, brands are just making bikes with UDH. So, yeah. like, it's kind of hard to, like, justify whether because they're selling more as UDH or because brands just updated the bike, like, at a perfect time with mm-hmm. UDH. Banshee doesn't have UDH, does it? Banshee does not. And so does a A rascal. A couple couple rebels
1: don't right now. Um, Mostly just rascal. I mean, Um, you got to imagine everything will soon enough. Yeah, right. For sure. So I I don't know, but it's also one of those things where, you know, what are the pros and cons? So you cannot run transmission without UDH. Mm -hmm. How much does that matter to you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Versus getting a really good deal on a bike that's non-UDH, if so possible. And,
2: And if you bought that bike and you bought one or two extra derailleur hangers. You yeah, that's really that good is an important thing to mention for years the life of the bike. Yeah. Like it's very yeah. rare I replace a derailleur hanger. It yep. is nice to have UDH when I'm like going on a trip, but mm-hmm. like then you, you know, already have a spare with you probably. I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. so I always like, bring my own spare whether it's UDH mm-hmm. or I have to source it differently. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the idea of a universal derailleur hanger is Convenience, not necessity, mm-hmm. and transmission is a luxury, also not a necessity. Yeah, massive luxury. <laughs> so, yeah, ma- a massive luxury. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it just kind of depends on um, you know yourself weighing those pros and cons. Versus, yeah, right now, I mean, whenever there whenever there's a, a quote unquote standard change, um, you can always find really good bargains of the last standard, um, and that's kind of the case right now. So maybe that outweighs the the luxury of the convenience of a derailleur hanger and a universal derailleur hanger and transmission.
0: Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, I mean if you're if you prefer mechanical anyways, then it really wouldn't even make a difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I certainly I don't know if you really want a bike and it's a fantastic deal and you're in really enjoying your existing drivetrains then yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about it, no, well, I wouldn't. I, I would never knock someone for not having a UDH bike. It's oh, yeah. no. completely fine. Totally. You have a non-UDH bike. You're right. Banshee. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I even have one. Yeah, yeah, because I like my
2: drivetrain. <laughs> and, and I have. Yeah. And right is. now I have my Revel Rail 2.9 with UDH, and I have mechanical drivetrain on it, and I'm not going to change it for yeah. at least a year, yeah. if not for the life of the bike until I, you know the bike's done. So yeah, yeah, there you go. All right. This question I will sum up it's because a it is one. long. Go for it. I've been riding for more than 10 years and always weighed between 80 and 85 kilos. Uh, this summer I have lost some weight and now I'm down to 73 kilos. Great job, dude. Um, as I was riding, my suspension started to feel stiff and way off. Uh, I let some air out of my fork and it felt better. I looked up on Ibis's site and it looks like I should drop my coil spring from 550 pound to 450 pound. Is there anything else I need to check? My real question is rebound, compression, even tire pressure. Um, Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like five pounds can make a pretty decent difference on bike setup. And as you change your spring rate, so whether it's spring rate on your shock or the air in your fork is also considered spring rate, uh, your compression and your rebound will also change mostly rebound. Um, Your rebound is basically based off of your spring rate and the bike's uh, suspension kinematics. So yeah, if you took air out, making it softer, you can also take one click of rebound out. So make it one click slower.
0: Hmm. There you go. That would be a good place to start.
2: That's not science, that's just a good place to start.
0: Yeah, nice. I did not know that about rebound. There you go. Well, you
1: know who could have told you that? A cork shock shockwiz. Or him or Liam, <laughs> <laughs> listening to the empty well, podcast. Yeah,
2: I mean, you ever seen a chart like? as yeah. you're heavier, and as you add more weight, True. you actually have
1: to add more rebound. Right, so makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think it's funny when uh people comment and say, "I want to hear the Buzzed head guy answer this question," and then they put some really <laughs> technical question in. <laughs> in those comments are so funny. To me.
0: <laughs> My name is Liam. Uh, and that that just cracks me up. Yom. How about uh, this one? Why do rear hubs make noise and why do different rear hubs make different <laughs> noises? Is this
2: also for the buzzed head technical guy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is now. Oh,
1: is, is it hub possible make to noise. make
0: a silent rear hub? Do you have a favorite or least favorite sound of your hub? And does that influence your choice when building a wheel? Well, clearly they don't know about Onyx. Mm, the they don't.
1: Stealth
2: silent hub. Onyx. Onyx Sprag is clutch. Is Actually, silent because nothing is engaged
1: while it is coasting. It's a completely different design that uses uh, what are they, what would sprag they call clutch. that? A sprag clutch. Well, yeah, but in a way that people can understand what it looks like. It's a it's a roller bearing needle that yeah. It, that's why it has infinite engagement because it can roll one way, but it can't roll the other way because well, the size expands. The directional bearing or you know, it's almost like it's hard to explain. Like, but, you know,
2: like one of those little like wind f- sock things, and sometimes when they get faster, and it kind of gets more. It grows its uh, wings. I don't know, I'm not explaining that right. Mm. I know what you're saying, though. Yeah,
1: but if you ever saw an onyx, the sort of the schematic of it, or if you saw one when they when they slice it in half and you can see the inside of it, you'd yeah. understand. But yeah, so there is hubs called onyx, which have a completely unique and patented design that are completely silent, and that's pretty rad. And, and some people absolutely love yeah. that.
2: I have always wanted to build a bike with them, especially like a downhill bike or a yeah. dural bike, and mm-hmm.
1: it's just silent. I, I'm impartial because I. I like the sound of a hub. I think it's just sounds cool. And a high end hub sounds expensive. It's like yeah, the exhaust yeah. of a Lamborghini. Mm. You don't go, Oh, I want a Lamborghini. That's silent. Like, yeah. No, no, no. You want the sound <laughs> well, so you of want a that Tesla? supercar. Um, yeah. <laughs> you want that sound. But, yeah. but I also completely understand the, the beauty of silence, especially on a mountain bike. Yeah. So that's honest. One, one yeah. thing
2: I kind of like about hub noises and uh, specifically a hub on the louder side, is while you're riding around the trails, it almost acts as a bell. It does. Like it's loud. You, people hear you coming when you're going downhill. Totally does. Yeah. Yeah. But to know. answer the question, hubs make noise as the engagement system. Um, there's different engagement systems, which is why they make different noises. Uh, some have and paws. even putting more grease on them. Yeah, noise more can grease, be. less grease. If you haven't serviced it in a long time, it's probably louder than if it is freshly serviced. Um, but yeah it's dry it's loud <laughs> <laughs> Um, weird how hubs yep, do that yeah. hubs,
1: all hubs are different yeah hubs are different
2: Uh, and then the other it's, I don't really have a favorite sounding or least favorite sounding but my preferred hub choice on any setup is usually DT Swiss because Star Ratchet system is just so reliable and so easy yeah. to work on mm-hmm. and you can easily change the engagement from Eighteen tooth, thirty six tooth, fifty four tooth, depending on your bike setup and what you want. Yeah, it's true. So Yeah, that is really nice about DT hubs. Yeah.
0: I like the Industry Nine hubs.
1: Yeah, me too. I just like the the look of I9 hubs, the USA made fact, the I don't know. Just yeah so cool. Yeah. yeah. I visited the factory. It's just awesome That's to cool. see it all in real life. That's super Watching cool. Watching those uh Industry Nine aluminum spokes be laser etched right in front of me <laughs> was like that's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. <laughs> I want that one on my back. Seeing the whole rack of the, the tree of all the hub shells. That's cool. Um, getting, getting dipped and for anodized and all the yeah. different colors. It was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah.
0: That's super cool. Yeah. yeah, And that. that's what I like about them they, is I guess like not only are they super high quality, USA made and high high engagement, but like you can get, you know, whatever color into the sun you want. Yeah. yeah. In terms
1: of customization, you know, nobody beats them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: I do think they look fancier than DTs. DTs are a bit oh, boring. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're definitely boring. It's Swiss, right? I they think. don't
1: look expensive or bougie no. by any means.
2: They they internally I've heard the motto uh similar to Henry Ford of that you can have any color you want as long as it is black. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's totally true. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah. I would say second choice I would go DT. I mean it would be cool to to ride a set of onyx hubs and like I think those are also kind of in the i camp where you can get, you know, crazy with your they, customization. Like
2: they actually have, yeah, they have some really cool sick the limited cooler, colors too. Like, they have like powder yeah. coated, right? They have a color like, of the month that I've really? always like there's some that are like hammered metal or something, and I've always wanted to build a set for that and I yeah. just
0: never pull the trigger. I've seen so, that, like they're like the fluorescent yellow yeah. and like those some with maguras. like, ooh, you can get a little crazy. Yeah. Um well, but, yeah cray. There you go. Um, this one's kind of a comment and a question. You should make an online bike tracker like the Domino's pizza tracker. You type in your order number and see status updates. Your frame has arrived at store X waiting suspension. Jeff has snuck your bike into his bed, but also are there any good bike tracking systems out there? Apple AirTags uh, seems to be mentioned often, but requires an iPhone user to be nearby. I put one on my cat and it doesn't really help unless he's in someone's house. Is, is that, <laughs> is that true though?
2: Cause you track bikes when we travel all the time. Mm.
1: Yeah. So, so the way AirTags work is essentially it's a pretty unique system. So that, that tag is uh, constantly emitting a signal. And anytime it's near any Apple device that has uh, like any new modern Apple device, it will ping that and then relay its location. Gotcha. So, so it does, it da- it does require iPhone. Apple devices, which makes it extremely useful in the United States where there's Apple devices yeah. everywhere. Makes it less useful in other countries where Android is more dominant. But there's a ton of other trackers that are Android related that Samsung makes, and Tile, T-I-L-E, they make a tracker that works for Android phones and iOS phones. But um, it it's not meant to track your cat necessarily um well they do have gps like collars that you can
0: get they do have remote. those yeah um, you have one for bean but no because she's, <laughs> she's an indoor no. cat
1: yeah, indoor cat don't trust her a lot of there. people do use air tags for their bikes though yeah um, that's that's not uncommon i guess it depends on what you're what you're trying to track and why it
0: sounds like they want to track like if you bought a bike from us for instance and you want to see yeah. like its exact location Instead well, of just like the last tracking update. So, yeah, I yeah, hate to the, break it to the dude, but the
2: Domino's Pizza Track is just an automated algorithm that just updates. <laughs> it's not no, even real. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> I love the
1: pizza track. Kind of, it's the kind of thing that it would, uh, if if our business was infinitely more profitable and we just had a lot of extra time and money to build fun things. Like, that's what we would build. That would like be really cool. Random cartoons showing you your bike and where it is. Yeah. That would be really cool.
0: I
2: mean,
1: AI animations of Jared in the shower with your bike being built, things or like that. Maybe they're actually real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, but, that's your quiz.
2: Right.
1: You know what would be actually?
0: I mean, you could have an option like, you know, extra. 150 bucks. I don't know how much an AirTag costs, but like, add an AirTag to your twenty bike. or thirty dollars. Oh, Was that how much they cost? Yeah. yeah
1: so but the, then yeah. you have owners of them, right? So well, the problem with AirTags, up? and this is being fixed in next month, actually, mm. with iOS 17. Historically, you can AirTags were linked to one Apple ID, so you cannot share an AirTag, hmm. which is super annoying. Um, that's being fixed in iOS 17. So when the iPhone 15 comes out next month, you'll actually be able to share it, which. Then it would be pretty cool because we've been talking about that because we've had three bikes lost from FedEx recently. Wow, yeah, I know about one, but not Not, three. Not funny. Mm -hmm. No, Uh, big financial loss. That's an and the insurance is insane to. Dude, and the 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 insurance is a joke. It's like there's uh, countless stipulations. If there's one logo on the box, oh, insurance doesn't cover it. You didn't read that fine print. It's ridiculous. Unreal. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, uh, we I was actually talking about this with Tyler uh, who runs a lot of our logistics at lunch today and AirTags and things like that because, yeah, it's a huge yeah, issue. me but. and
2: Tyler have been banging our heads against the wall for a month about this.
1: Yeah, so I think once iOS 17 comes out, you know, Apple gets really good adoption on their new iPhone OSs, a lot more people will be able to share AirTags. And for us to even be able to ask someone, hey, do you have an iPhone? If they say yes, it's like, great, what's your Apple ID? Email, we can then share this AirTag with you and hmm. you can see where your packages on the way to you. The other problem with that though, is if you think about it, FedEx loses a thing and you're like, well, here it is in Kentucky on the, on the side of this fulfillment center, what are you going to do, go there? Yeah, I mean, I would. <laughs> I would. I mean, I guess you can. Yeah. What are you going gonna to go there and like tell the guy at the door, like, I got my Zare tag. You guys have told me it's lost. Here's a tracking. I mean, like, I guess you, I, honestly, you going to fly there? I mean, if it's a $10,000 bike. I, I, yeah. I was, yeah, was going to say, would, if but there's $10,000, it's almost worth know, a three
2: dollars totally. flight for me to go there. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, you so, don't drive there.
0: It's true. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, that's I know. my bike we're talking about. <laughs> my baby. <laughs> That's my baby. I need that. I know. I'm like, no, nah, man, you don't understand. It's right here. I could see it. It's right yeah. there. Like, right behind you. Uh, but I mean, realistically, what's the same situation like if it gets lost at the airport? Like you're going to do the same thing, you know? Hey, listen, yeah. I'm looking at it. It's right here like yeah true you know an yeah, airport some that's,
1: level of reassurance that's
0: like the best situation in terms of it being around more iphone users because like you're almost guaranteed yeah. to have people around it yeah like hopefully they didn't just drop your bike off at somebody else's
1: house <laughs> and they're yeah, just like true. and they don't know what to do with it and it's just sitting out. there and yeah. yeah i don't know i, I think air tags are a cool system and and apple and google are actually now starting to work together to make them cross-compatible from, for both devices and more so on the privacy side. So if, if you know someone has an Android phone, you can drop an AirTag in their backpack and they, and they, know, they don't know that you know, it's following them around or geez. vice versa. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to solve that problem before they're trying to make it all cross-compatible. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I it's brought, a cool idea.
2: I brought that up to Trevor today about that part of AirTags yeah. um, and how they, like they emit a noise or they alert an iPhone if s- someone... So yeah, basically it's, it's dropped it in there. In yeah. And he goes, why would you ever want that? I'm like, well, you know, if you're maybe a female, and someone drops it you're in You're not there being stalked, Trevor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 he, <laughs> and, and, and goes, stuck oh,
1: I've them. never thought about that. I'm like, yeah, because most people aren't weirdos, but that's an issue <laughs> yeah. that is out there. <laughs> I had one in my my bin that I shipped from Colorado back here, and it was actually really fun to watch it. On, yeah. It was like, oh, here it is. It's on the 15. It's like it's making its way well, west. That's awesome. But um, I wonder if the FedEx driver got that notification. He probably gets them all day. Yeah, yeah probably I the FedEx driver probably, right? on, those, on those big routes yeah. where they're driving with who knows how many air tags in the boxes in the back of their truck Wow. We, uh, hours at a time.
2: We sneakily checked Jared's bike when he was still in Whistler. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. But he wasn't in Whistler. No, uh, well, Vancouver Island. No, he was in Orange County or something. Oh yeah, they knew because oh, yeah, he flew back to I Newport back, or something. Yeah. We're yeah.
1: like, He's back in California, <laughs> he didn't tell us.
0: <laughs> and the Airtag is kind of near you. You're not <laughs> yeah.
1: safe. And there is some cool so muckoff and Lazine both yeah. both brand and Topeek Right? All three of those brands. I'm not sure about Topeak, but definitely Malkoff and Yeah, Make ones that you can either hide in your like valve stem. I think Malkoff has one, which to me Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense because then it's going to wobble in rotational way. So I wouldn't recommend that. But the ones that go into the water bottle cage is a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. They make some Um, that go inside the steer tube. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or your, or your head tube. So there's or ways to like, hide them like, yeah. in your
1: bike, Yeah. which isn't a bad idea. Yeah.
0: I think that's the best because I mean, realistically, like, sophist- if your bikes gonna get stolen, like a sophisticated thief is going to be like, they're going to know it's going to be in the, it's going to be in the water bottle cage
1: or like, you know. Yeah. The in thing is, tube, is that's going to be like most thieves are not sophisticated. So just banking on the, yeah. the probability there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, anyways, that is all we got for this episode. We're running up on the hour time limit here mm. and I've got to go do some running. Me too. You're going to run? Yeah. What are you going to do this evening? I'm going to out to dinner north, Austin. Nice. Mandate? Date A little
2: bit,
0: yeah.
1: Nice. Mandated mandate. Yeah. Mandated mandate. No. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: On my last mandate, I ran into Jared. That's
1: right. Well. <laughs> at your favorite spot? Daphne's? No. no second, the other one. other one. Where else do I go? Urban Three Plates. Three Amigos? Urban Plates. Oh, yeah. I do go to Urban Plates a lot. Yeah. I got a plate pass. Yeah, give it's it a to you. It's a good deal. $5 a month for 20% off all your food. That's a good deal. And brought to you by Urban Place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's our We have ads. sold out. <laughs> uh, speaking of actual ads, if you're listening this far, uh, Kettle, we just dropped a mountain bike specific short called Oof. the Skidmark short. Uh, which has a very much knee pad friendly mountain bike cut in terms of uh, inseam length and size and back rise and pockets. It's pretty dialed in. Yeah. Super dialed in. Pretty proud of it. If so I, if I say so myself, the tan
2: photos look pretty good on the website. Yeah, so look at them. Yeah, they do. You were the model. Yeah. Maybe. Very nice. Maybe.
1: Very nice. Or similarly tattooed fella. <laughs> Liam is also the model for the bib. If you want to see the shape of his schmeckle. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for episode 118. Thank you very much. <laughs> See you guys oh, later. We love you.
0: Kept a peachy. <laughs> Curio. See you there. <that>? Schmeckle on <laughs> the peachy.